ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. My name is Mike, and these are the Hamp Dog Chronicles. Today, sitting in with me is my beautiful wife, Corrine. Say hello, Corrine. Hello. <laughs> so today, as our inaugural podcast, I would uh, like to start off with um, maybe something Corrine might want to talk about, and that would be the absolute downfall of the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs this week. And uh, being swept out in the first round, what's going on with the players who are running their teams and how they're winding up in the playoffs, dear? I mean, look at my Lakers, didn't make the playoffs, run by their star player. Now you've got Kevin, Dur- Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You know, I, I, I can't even talk about that because you skipped right over my Knicks and you're, you're saying that the Knicks are irrelevant and that's not necessarily <laughs> the case. So if we're going to talk about KD, which we love KD. So, no, you um, love KD. I love KD. KD <laughs> is the best basketball player on the planet at this point, even though he was swept out. However, before we even start talking about that, we have to talk about um, the Knicks and the Lakers. So... The Lakers being the one in the background because we don't even want to talk about LeBron. We don't even want to talk about <laughs> that, how that Russell Westbrook contract. You're dismantling of a legacy and changing the oh. name of your stadium nonetheless, but that's okay. Hey, hey, there's nothing wrong with Crypto.com. Crypto.com. Okay, whatever. <laughs> However, we must talk about the Knicks first. And the Knicks, Stephen A. Smith will agree, are just that good that we're just taking a break. We're, re- we're yeah. taking a break. We're taking a breath. We're breathing <laughs> in. And, you know, uh, we, we have some issues. Is Julius Randle going to stick by us? Is, you know, are these new people? Is um, Why is your best player coming off the bench in Derrick Rose? <laughs> well, well, we all love Derrick Rose. But I think is R.J. Barrett the question mark here? Ooh. Is R.J. Barrett our leader or is it Julius Randle? And I think with Julius Randle not entering postseason and not entering those last several games healthy, R.J. Barrett had to make some adjustments and he had to step up to the plate and he had to become the Nick. And I think that 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 was a good thing because when when Julius Randle was in prime form, he was the star of the Knicks. But but consider this now. This is this is on the table for next year and or even the year after is would it be a worthwhile trade because Randle wants out, right? Why not send him down to New Orleans, get Zion and RJ back together because the Pelicans have pretty much given up on Zion. I mean, you know the fan base wants to see him. Well, think about though the Pelicans gave up on Zion because they're the ball Pelicans now. And you know, <laughs> Well, so... they're not. They're not the ball Pelicans now. Wow. Lonzo's up in Chicago, am I right? Right, that is true. And that is true. and the little brothers in Charlotte. So they're not the ball well, Pelicans that is anymore. True, but they were ruined by the ball family and and JJ Reddick. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I might have to leave this podcast right now. Like all my favorites are are being beaten well, down J- here. JJ Reddick was was getting a little bit up there in age and wasn't hitting the shot the way he was. But I think here's here's the biggest thing that I think. First of all, kudos to me for being able to talk sports because <laughs> there's not a lot of women in society today that can talk. NBA and actually know what they're talking about. Well, so. that's part of why we're married. And actually, there's more and more ladies, younger ladies, that are that are more involved in sports than true. there used to be. I mean, from our generation, yeah, it's a lot less than it was. But nowadays, 
I mean, look at look at all the new analysts on like ESPN and CBS even that are that are female that are coming up. The the Monica McNutts of the world and the Malika Andrews's and and things like that. They can sit down and hold solid conversations. It's very much appreciated from someone like me. You know, I mean, obviously, I married a sports fanatic like myself, even though you're a Dolphins fan and a Knicks fan, uh, but uh, and a Yankees fan. Jeez, oh, let's talk fans. about the Yankees. Let's talk about the Yankees right now. Yes, let's talk about Three how the Yankees fans were throwing things at Cleveland Guardians players after they had won. I mean, what? Well. I mean, sometimes you have to take the win and at least be pleasant about it and not start throwing stuff at the outfield players regardless of what they're doing the yankees persona is that we are who we are and we don't like that guy we walked that guy on purpose and the fact that we threw trash at them i'm talking about the guardians not the white Sox, not miguel cabrera you know so the fact of the matter is is that yankee fans are a breed all on their own you either love us or you hate us. We well, know we're true. better than that's everyone else. We, we we all know we're better than everyone else. We're Yankees fans. <laughs> Derek Jeter, Andy Pettit, we're better than everyone. So if we throw trash at you, you might want to think that that's like a bonus. Hey, you oh, got some trash thrown at you. Good well, job. Quit, quit trying to steal the thunder from the Phillies fans who started all of this throwing stuff. I mean, we can go back to the Eagles in the 70s when they threw snowballs at freaking Santa Claus for okay, crying out loud. you have to live in the present. We threw trash today, <laughs> not 60 years ago. Yeah, but it wasn't D-cell batteries. Uh, okay. D-cell batteries. J.D. Drew wouldn't come out of the dugout. Remember that? That's true. That is true. You guys were pretty ruthless. But there's a difference between being gangster ruthless and just knowing that you're better than everyone gangster else. ruthless that's gangster ruthless that's that's what you get out of throwing d-cell batteries at gangster, all your teams are gangster ruthless How? phillies raiders <laughs> lakers wait 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 the La- lakers fans definitely are not that style of fandom come Look on now. all y'all be ruthless <laughs> So back to back to the whole Sorry. Julius Randle thing with with Derrick Rose coming off the bench and R.J. Barrett. What about that consideration of bringing Zion up there and at least finally getting you, you guys a, a big man? Well, I mean, we don't have a big man. <laughs> we decide that the big man is not important, and it seems that seems to be a flaw in when we're drafting players or when we're setting up rotations or setting up lineups, we forget about the big man. Because if you think about Joakim Noah, he was a trade-in. If you think about, you know, all the big players that we've had, we trade them in, we burn them out, and then we get rid of them. So, I mean, it's like, <laughs> we don't care about that. We care about power forward. And, you know, I, I think that well, is... Well, that's, that's essentially what Zion is, true. is he's a, he's a four. He's right. not a five. I think that that's a good point. I mean, I, I could see that trade happening, but I also think we need stable coaching. And Thibodeau, I don't know. You well, know, we need Mike Brown. Thibodeau has a history of burning out his his good players. I mean, look yeah. at I mean, Derek Rose is a, is a great example sure. of, you know, exactly what that guy does to, to players. Derek Rose... We don't know what kind of career he would have had had he not been had he not been played so many minutes so early on in his career, mm-hmm. especially with the violence that he plays with. I mean, a lot of people talk about Russell Westbrook and you know when he was younger and the way he played in the paint and things like that. Derrick Rose was doing the same thing. 
And the different the difference being is Derrick Rose wasn't as stout, I guess would be a good word. Maybe not not as physically strong sure. as Russell Westbrook. And yet Tibbs was sending him in the paint every game. I think it stems a lot from management, and I think Dolan has to go. Well. <laughs> I mean, Dolan is the reason that we suck so bad. Well, you've got to bear in mm-hmm. mind that that guy doesn't just own that team. He owns a hockey team. He owns the building they play in. You know, I mean, it, it's really hard to get, you know, someone in that kind of a position out. This isn't a this isn't a Donald Sterling thing where he's just the, the name on the team right. and they're playing in somebody else's building. You know, this is this is a whole different scenario when it comes to Jimmy Dolan. Well, I think what's happening, too, is that Jimmy Dolan, as you call him, I call him <laughs> the devil. He doesn't understand Nick's legacy, and I think he doesn't care about it. He well, doesn't... no, look at what he did to Spike Lee and right. what he's done to, you know, what he did to, who is that, Anthony Mason? Well, he's banned a whole bunch of people. Charles Oakley. <laughs> yeah, one, oh, that's who it was, you know, Oakley. And that's not right. I mean, those are the legends of the people, of, you know, of your franchise, you know, and the only one that he really hasn't banned is Walt Clyde Frazier. We all love Walt Clyde Frazier. Well, that's your, that's your last championship, and that was before Dolan owned the team. Well, but he also dresses real snappy, too. So, no, of course. I, I mean, mean, shaking his hand at that Clippers game was awesome wearing that wild suit that he was wearing. But I think that I think Dolan has to remember that there are the players of legacy. They are something to be looked upon. They're supposed to, you know, there's something to give to the younger players, even Latrell Sprewell. You know, he doesn't give them what they deserve. And you're just turning out crap. And basically, you're burning all your players, and you're not going to win like that. And your fans sit with paper bags, and, you know, we hate New York and all the things. But at the end of the day, we suffer through this terrible season every year. I mean, let's get real. I buy League Pass, you know. <laughs> I mean, I spend the $400 for NBA League Pass to sit there I know and say, only too well. I hate this team. I hate this game. Why are we stupid? You know, but then again, we're going to suffer through it because we're waiting. We're waiting for something to happen. Well, the, the fact of the matter is, is, is you guys are going nowhere when your your start your best starting player is Julius Randle, and he doesn't want to be there. Well, that's not necessarily true. That's a rumor that he doesn't want to be there. And well, I, think I, would... I know he came out and said, well, I, I didn't say that. You know, the people are hearing that from other places, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is look at some of his antics on the court where he's literally walked off the court in the middle of the game with your team still in contention for the game because who knows? Is it just his attitude? Is it that he's not getting his first shot every time? Well, but I think the same thing could have been said by Amari Stoudemire. The same thing happened towards the end of his career, too. Yeah, but at the same time, when a guy's used up, though, I mean, Amari didn't go walking off the court, though. You know, and and Randall has, I mean, he flipped off your fans. Did we deserve that? I don't know. Well, well I mean, I, I well consider consider the bubble playoffs, or not even the bubble playoffs, but last year when you guys were in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys were going up against Trey Young, and your fans were one hundred percent behind Julius Randle, and you guys were were chanting about how he need, you know, he's balding and all this other stuff, and yet the following year, the guy who they were backing and cheering one hundred percent flips him off when hey. he's going through a bad streak. And the fans let him know. Well, first of all, let's just be realistic here. No Nick fan ever is going to want to ever talk about Trey Young. We hate <laughs> him so much that 
We're but, glad he just got swept out. But Bye. you have to. Well, he didn't get swept out. First of all, he second, lost one. They lost. They, they won, won one, one game. game. And second of all, he's probably one of, if not the best, young player in the game right now. I mean, he's, be real. No, he's on the same page of my book as Reggie Miller. Oh, I never want to talk about him. Be happy ever. we don't have cameras in here. Ever. So, I mean, I think... Well, that's I, what. That's why it's the profile picture on the page. No, no, no. Julius Randle, I think, is going through a, you know, a deliberate, maybe adjustment. And, well, you know, well, I mean, bear in mind, he wasn't treated that great with the Lakers. He was not. You know, and then he he was essentially exiled out of L.A. And then he goes to the Knicks where the fan base is pretty much embraced him but then again you've got the entire team basically put on this guy's shoulder and he's I mean he's not a young Derrick Rose you know he's not a, a leader he's not he's not like Jimmy Put like Jimmy Butler is for the heat you know what I'm saying well I mean he's a, he's a role player now Jimmy Butler is a role player he's not a star and you know I hate to say it but you know as long as Jimmy Butler is the best player on the heat they're never going to win anything well but I think here's the problem in New York. New York has a coaching issue where if you don't win immediately, you're about to get fired. And, you know, winning takes time. You have to have the right people and the right pieces. But then we're also a fickle fan base. So, I mean, look what we did to Jeremy Lin. Lin Sanity, we love him. We get rid of him. And we tell him to well, go back and sleep on the couch that he was sleeping on. Well, keep in mind, though, the deal the deal with Jeremy Lin's a, a whole nother thing. I mean, this is a guy who basically had a three a three week run where he was hitting everything. He I mean, his shot selection was great. He was getting balls in open spots. I mean, Jeremy Lin was never anything more than a role player. Also, he would just happen to hit that streak. Right. right? He's he wasn't Steph Curry. Oh. <laughs> you know, he, he this is not something he could maintain for a season, let alone 10. Right, but I think what happens is we love you, we cheer for you, we call you Lynn Sanity, we buy your jersey, and then you go cold and you suck and we're like, go in the gutter and take the subway home and we're so not giving you any how much money. Of that, how much of that do you put on Dolan? How much do you put on the fan base? I think because you put it's it all the, on Dolan. Yeah, all you, on I Dolan. don't think you can because when the fans turn their back on you and start booing you just because you're cold and you're not getting the same shots, because maybe there's other people in the lineup that you aren't used to seeing on a on a regular basis because while you were hot, you were a starter as opposed to coming off the bench. Well, I think even Stephen A. would agree. Dolan has to go. Stephen A. isn't coming in that door, okay? You never know. <laughs> Dolan has to go. And Thibodeau, I'm not too much of a fan of Thibodeau. Bring back Mike Brown. Back oh, jeez. Mike Brown. Mike Brown. Coach Brown is where it was. And I think that <laughs> just put all the pieces back together. Call up Latrell Sprewell, call up Joakim Noah. You know, they can bring their recliners and their walkers and their canes well, and their medicine and play <laughs> basketball. Well, the thing about your Knicks is your Knicks are essentially going through what the Lakers are going through. The difference being the star power. All right. The, f the fact of the matter is, well, and, and the big difference being is the front office being run by, by Superman, Carl Rambis and his wife. You know, and and then Mitch Kupchak, but then essentially you've got your default GM and LeBron, who's just bringing in his friends, doesn't care about the size of their contracts, not realizing what it's saddling the franchise with. See, we don't have that. We don't have any no, you don't. Madonna. Who... And that that's what I'm saying is that that's really the difference. Even though even though the franchises seem to be in the same spot 
pretty much when it comes to players and things like that. The difference is, is you guys have far more money to work with and your owner won't spend it. Well, plus we have to really play basketball. We can't <laughs> pretend that our finger hurts and we can't, oh, please. you know, we can't shoot today or our pinky toe is hurting and we can't play basketball today. Or, hey, 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 you know, just, just because Anthony Davis can't, you know, play for 30 games a season. <laughs> Jersey's dirty today. I can't play today. You know, I mean, that those are, we have to play real basketball against real, the East is the worst conference because it's more difficult. You guys have easier Wouldn't conference. that make it the best conference? Well, no, it's the worst on a, on a fan basis because we lose so many games. <laughs> but Maybe if it wasn't so damn cold out there. Okay. <laughs> Next topic. Next topic. I'm, I'm, yeah, the Knicks are, are rebuilding. I've got my paper bag ready. I'm all right. <laughs> oh, the Knicks are rebuilding, so you're getting your... Your ain'ts bag ready. I'm a paper bag. I'll start cheering for someone else for a couple of weeks. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now Katie's out. And I don't know about that. I'm going to have to make a telephone call to Katie's mom. <laughs> I have to call her and say, your son needs to practice more. <laughs> Something. Okay, well, yeah. all right. Well, with with that going on, let, let's talk about what we were talking about for, for a second before we got in here. You were talking to me about Harry. Harry the Bulldog? Yeah. Yeah, talk about Harry the Bulldog. So we know these people, and um, so we have Bulldogs of our own. We have three three Bulldogs. bulldogs, We used to have four, but one died. Well, we've had five. Right. Um, But so we know this lady, and she had a Bulldog, and he died, and she got another one, but she was very, you know, suspect about getting another one, and she rescued him. Um, And I got to babysit him. He's the most adorable dog ever, and he was lost. And he, he was pretty cool. He ended up in a shelter, and I pulled him from the shelter because I, I sit on the board, and um, uh, she was the one who fostered him, and she really wasn't going to keep him. But then they're so smushy, and, and they're lovable, and <laughs> they just, you know, you they're say mutants. you're not going to keep them, but then you do. And you, you start out with the best intentions of going to find them a home, and then you realize your home is the best home for them. Um, so she, she found Harry and I got to babysit him a couple of times and he's so adorable. But, um, in the course of her, um, be, you know, with Harry, she was still missing her bulldog that had died. So she made a documentary that's mm-hmm. coming out next month called, um, Winston the Bulldog. Ah. And it's all about how to love your bulldog, but also know when it's time to let him go. Well, that's um, that's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. I, we we obviously went through that same struggle with Droopy and Crash. Right. And it's very difficult because you don't know. They can't tell you. Yeah, no. But you also don't want to be selfish and be like, I'm going to keep you forever, you know, because <laughs> that's not necessarily how it is. But you want to, you know, make it so that they're okay and you're okay. And so the part of the documentary is how she was able to transition from Winston to Harry. And the same thing kind of happened to me because... When Crash died, I didn't want another bulldog. I was yeah. like, no more dogs. That's it. Yeah. And now I have Trooper and he's a baby. Well, but also look at how long it took for it you did. to get Trooper. I mean, it was it was well over a year. Yep. And we had the room. We had the space. And you had seen all these others that you had wanted to foster. But at the same time, you were like, no, I don't. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Right. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Well, because you don't want to, you know, have one and, you know, you say it's your responsibility and you... You have to feed it and you have to give it all food, you know, all the things, but you don't want it to be a replacement for the one you lost. Of course not. 
And so I had to make sure. Yeah. Well, and the, the simple fact of the matter is I think you found the perfect situation when it came to Trooper, you know, and the, and the fact that it was, you know, right before we were heading out to Vegas, he, he shows up in a kill shelter, you know, and we convinced them to, to not kill him for an extra week while we were out of town, you know, and then of course we, we get back into town, we pick Trooper up and the next day, what happens? What happened? Country shut down and we're in a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> but Trooper is the best bulldog ever because he walked into our house and he just sat up on our sectional like, I'm the king now. I live here. <laughs> he just ran yeah. in and jumped up on the couch and, and sat down on the console, the center right. console where I sit, where I do all my stuff and sat down and said, nope, this is my house now. Right. And um, like the little punk ass mutant that he is. <laughs> but he's also a baby and I dress he's him and I put clothes anymore. on him and... I am that bulldog mom who dresses him up and I take him to camp and all the things and <laughs> he sleeps in our bed now. So yeah. Yeah. And, and not, not by my choice. Well, he's a baby. <laughs> he's not a baby's four for crying out loud. But uh, I think it's pretty cool that she made a, a documentary to help her, not only herself, but other people and all the proceeds from all the ticket sales of the do- documentary go to the rescue. And that documentary, that that's the one about the dog before Harry, right? That's right. about Winston? Yes. Okay, that cool. Yeah, because Harry was a pretty cool dog. I, I I think you showed me a couple of pictures of Winston yeah. um, before she started fostering Harry. And, I mean, yeah, Harry Harry was pretty cool that one time that, that you brought him over and I got to see him. And, you know, that pretty awesome dog. And, yeah, it's interesting how long ago that was and now how old he is. I mean, Lurch was still a baby then. I think Lurch was only two. He looks so different now. <laughs> they look different, but, you know, I think the fact that she rescued him instead of buying him yeah. is always helpful. So Definitely. All right. Well, is there something else you want to talk about? Because I see you getting sad, and we don't want you to be sad over sad. here. I think it's a good thing, you know, it's um, very difficult to you know, have a dog and then not have a dog who's like your best friend. Yeah. And you kind of have to like temper yourself and, you know, you say all these things, I'm never getting another dog and (laughs) I'm never doing this. And and then you find another one and you just have to, they each have their own individual, you know, um, personalities. Yeah. So it's really cool. Yeah. I'll get another one too. I love dogs. (laughs) I love dogs. I love dogs, even though I'm allergic to them. I love dogs, too, except when they're mutants like our bulldogs. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> um, next topic. Next topic. Well, do you remember the last movie you and I watched together that wasn't Office Space the other night? No. Remember when we watched Free Guy? Yes. What did you think of that movie? No. No? You didn't like it? No. So they're like movies. If you have women listeners... There are movies. I, I hope that, I can get some. Yeah, I, I think you will. Um, <laughs> but they will they will understand this when I say this. There are movies that you watch with your boyfriend or your husband or uh-huh, significant uh-huh. other that you are never going to watch again. Like Star Wars. Like Free Guy or <laughs> Space. What is that movie? Um, Strange Brew. Oh I'm never my watching God. that again. Ever. <laughs> it's one of my ever, favorites. Ever, Come ever, on. Ever, ever. <laughs> Uh, Talladega Nights, that's another one. Hey, hey, don't you know. don't don't bag on the, the ballad of Ricky Bobby. There are certain movies that you will watch and tolerate with your significant other. Mm-hmm. Like Devil Wears Prada. That's a great movie. No, it's not. But <laughs> you're never watching them again. And that's one that I'm never watching again. 
What 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 was so turn what turned you off on that movie? I just don't get it. I, I mean, it, it was it was an interesting little love story where you, I mean, spoiler alert, you know, you find out that the love interest is actually in a different direction. Spoiler alert, it was awful. Don't watch it. <laughs> Do not watch it. We have a thing. What are where... you talking about? Ryan Reynolds no. is a he's a he's got great charisma. I mean, he's he's a I mean, uh, obviously a character actor because every Ryan Reynolds movie he plays the same character basically, except in this one there was a little bit less Deadpool. <laughs> no. So in case you haven't, you don't know, Mike and I have been married for twenty two years. I'm never watching that movie. Twenty one, twenty two at the end of this year. Yeah, I'm never watching that movie again. Okay. Um. Next. Oh geez, what do you want to talk about here? I don't know. I mean, you're you're the guest on this podcast today. Um, you know, we could talk about a lot of different things. We talked about sports. We could talk about music. You want you want to talk oh. about the bag? We could talk about that in a minute. But let's talk about music first. <laughs> okay. So, I think your listeners would appreciate my understanding of your appreciation of music. Okay. Anything that's present and current, Mike doesn't like it. <laughs> that's not true. Anything that's like from the 60s, <laughs> Mike loves it. And 50, if it's 60, the 70s, Beatles, oh, holy cow, Mike thinks it's terrific. Look, the, the Beatles are great. I understand they ripped off a lot of stuff. They're not my favorite band. No. I mean, we, we know that. My favorite band probably ripped off more stuff than the Beatles did. But the fact of the matter is, is it is not true that I do not like anything that's out currently. That's no, you just clearly catch up. not true. You just catch up like two or three years later. Oh, who's this Black Keys? That's great. Hey, oh my god. Just uh, that's that's also because I didn't listen to the radio then, and <laughs> so back back then I wasn't really being introduced to newer music. I was strict. You know, I was spending what eighteen hours a day working. Amy Winehouse. Who's that? Oh, I never said that. I never said that. I just said that I didn't like her music. And when you compared her to Elle Fitzgerald, I about lost oh, my mind. Oh, my gosh. That was hilarious. No, we could talk about the thing anyway now. So that's fine. Oh, about about the BAG? Yeah. The Bowling Alley Gangsters? Oh, my gosh. Come on. Let, let's hear what you have to say about understand. the Bowling Alley Gangsters. Okay, first of all, you have to give like a definition of what that is. Okay, well, all right, ladies and gentlemen. So for those of you that don't know, my wife and I run a juniors program in a local bowling alley where our daughter bowls. Um, I will give a shout out to Mary Mesa Lanes. You know, we uh, we do do some other work there besides just with the juniors program. But lately, I find myself when I when I get off from work on a regular day. I will go over to the barn, have a beer or two, and I've run into some interesting characters. And some of those characters, you know, I've I've come to know and come to be real friendly with. And there's there's an interesting, interesting thing that that we uh, that we've been called by some of the people who are hanging out in there, and they call they call this particular group of people the BAG or the Bowling Alley Gangsters, and it's because we protect the bowling alley from certain things and we don't like certain elements coming in and messing up the mellow vibe in there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it makes me laugh so much. Well, talk because about they're it. they're all like in their 50s. Hey, hey. Except for Mike. No, not, not, not just me. Well, maybe they're in their late 40s. There's, maybe that's a, a good... There, there's yeah, there's one in the early 40s. There's this guy over here in his late 40s. There's a couple of 50-year-olds. There's even a 31-year-old. 
it's just and like, their kids well you know i think okay for one thing i think that the the bowling alley bowling is a sport in california that's not necessarily recognized as much as it should be and for that is a sad thing because most well that's also coming from someone who grew up bowling whose dad right. was a bowler whose whole family bowled right. i mean that's that's your family in a nutshell right but I think that bowling in the Midwest is a huge thing. And, and the East Coast. The East, and California doesn't get enough recognition, nor do the kids who bowl. Well, part of the issue with that, you have to bear in mind that in the in the Midwest, in the East, I mean, they have, you know, really cold, awful weather. You know, it rains a lot. You get hurricanes. You get, you know, crazy snowstorms and ice storms. And here in California, especially Southern California, we really don't get that kind of bad weather. You can play outdoor sports all year round. You can't do that in the Midwest and the East Coast. And, you know, like like the time that I, I did that interview with that particular sports journalist, and she was telling me that, you know, in where she was from, that everybody there bowled because in the wintertime, you couldn't play basketball outside. You, I mean, unless you were on a football team, you didn't play outside because it's too darn cold or it's too darn wet. Right, I get it. I just think that it's um, uh, we should recognize California kids a little bit more um, in their bowling. But in any case, well, and, and and you're right. I mean, some of some of the the really good, especially collegiate level, and and now as we're seeing with with some of the kids that have gone up to pro, you know, they're coming out of the the Southwest. They're coming out of California. I mean, look at TJ. Look at Zach. You know, look at look at uh, Gael. Very much so, very much so. But but in any case, let's back to your bowling alley gangsters. <laughs> um, I, I just find it to be ridiculous. You know, I don't even know who came up with that either. I just heard it and, and Aaron started hitting me with it one day. I just think it's funny because they act like they're some kind of like, Gangster gang or mobsters or something. I don't know no, what they no. are. We, we just have the but, mayor of the bar. Right, mayor of the bar, whatever. <laughs> and it's they do karaoke. It's very interesting. But, Jumping up on pool tables and singing karaoke real loud. <laughs> yeah, it's just so ridiculous and stupid. But, um, and the best part is when they try to protect the bowling alley. That's my favorite part, where mm. you see these like, six 40 year old men gonna go outside and beat somebody down and it's like hmm maybe we should kind of think about that a little bit more so <laughs> i tend to but do those people come back when they're confronted with those guys that's that's really the big issue is because typically these guys they they don't get out of hand i mean yeah they get drunk they have a good time but when it when it comes to a situation like that one saturday right and i had i had my partner come rolling out next to me right and he had nothing to do with it. He was he was there because I was down there. Then we had, you know, Josh from the kitchen jump down, you know, and, and we were going to handle that situation. And sure enough, you know, half an hour later, when the fellas did roll in, they're like, why are all the cops here? What's going on? What happened? And we explained it to them. And they were just like, oh, geez, they would have never gone that far with us there. And we're like, we know we've been here when, you know, things have been stopped short. Like that night when that guy threatened to shoot Donald in the face. So I don't like that, and I just think it's it's too because of the fact that in society that we live in now, it's too difficult to actually do anything without thinking ahead. Where's the exit? Where can I find myself getting out of this place? Can you know? Is it safe to go here or there? Well, I get it, the whole part about protecting the bowling alley, but I also want you guys to make sure that you're doing it in a 
appropriate manner. We are. And that, you know, children are not present we, when you. I mean, that, that was the whole reason I went rolling out on that Saturday, you know, was because that was literally right next to a kid's birthday. That was the kid's birthday party. It was her first ever birthday party. Let's be real. She was six. It was the first time she had a not just family in the home birthday party. They were at the bowling alley. And that dude got out of hand. Well, I think there's bowling alley is, is a, a novelty from the Midwest that trickled through out to the east. And I just don't think that necessarily people know how to handle themselves when you mix alcohol and... <laughs> and rolling and, balls down a lane as hard as you can. Well, I think a lot of it is <laughs> ego, and I think there's Oh, there's some, 100% ego in there. You know, there's some hotheads who come in on Friday night, and they just And Saturdays, and, you know, and Sundays, and everything, you know. I mean, l- let's be real, that, that one league night, that was, a that was what, a Tuesday? That was a Tuesday. You know, and that got out of hand on a Tuesday night. Yeah, so I, you know, I think that it's just uh, something that society has to, you know, now that society is back from the pandemic and people are out doing things and they're going to movies and they're going to bowling, people just need to be cautious about how they handle themselves, um, you know, because there are hotheads who want to just cause trouble. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the best. I mean, I was in the alley when the guy came in and said he was going to kill all of us. Yeah. Uh, that was over at, out in El Cajon, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that was when I was outside. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's very, you know, you you encounter these situations all the time. And as long as you know how to handle it and, you know, or someone is there to protect you, then I think that, you know. Well, and that's that's where, you know, the, the shout out to Drew Parkins goes, you know, when, when we had that issue that morning with, with our juniors, G- Drew came running out ready to do something about it, as opposed to that Saturday. Right. I mean, Drew seems to be... Um, the kind of guy who will stick up for not only his juniors, but his house and yeah, his family. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's, I hate to say it, but that's the idea behind, you know, the, the, the BAG, you know, that, that we're laughing about and stuff is that's our house. Right. You know, that's, that's where we hang out. That's, that's where we kick back and decide what we're doing for the rest of the day. We talk about, you know, baseball and basketball, especially, you know, with the playoffs going on and everything. I mean, me and my boy Aaron didn't start hanging out until the, uh, what was it, the the divisional round when the Raiders lost to the Bengals, right? And that, right. And that was when he and I really started kicking it off. So we really started talking to each other, you that's know, true. and that's, that's actually how a lot of, a lot of that, you know, starts is you, you're sitting in a place like that and you, you're talking to somebody you've never really sat down and talked to before because there's, number one, there's nobody else there. Number two, you know, even if there are a few other people, we all have something in common. You know, we all, we all bowl or whatever the case may be, right? Right. And so, you know, you wind up in those situations and that, again, you know, that was the nice thing about that night when Donald, you know, when we had that issue on that lane, when I was, you know, when I was working and Donald came out to yell at those guys and the guys started going back. And then all of a sudden, you know, four, four or five, you know, dudes come rolling out of the bar to go, Hey, who, what are you saying to our guy here? You know? Yeah. You know, I think it's, um, it's, there's a good amount of people who are just concerned about other people in that bowling alley, you know, and I hope that it's that way in other bowling alleys, um, because bowling to me is like, I've done it for so long that it, it becomes a family atmosphere. I mean, we've been in that bowling alley for 11, 12 years. 12 years. So Hillary's grown up there. We've seen, uh, Caleb and other kids go off to college yeah. and, you know, we've Zach seen, and you right. Know. We've seen others go, you know, in a different direction. We've seen some that have gotten married. 
you know, bowl, it's just bowling becomes a family. You see these people every week. And it's not like baseball or football where you you see someone for 12 weeks and then you're off for the summer or you're off until the next fall. Bowling is a cyclical sport. They never stop. They go from spring league to summer league to winter league to fall. To Christ- they bowl over Christmas. They bowl the day after Christmas. The only, the only thing I'll disagree with you on in that is having been the baseball player mm-hmm. and, you know, Typically, your baseball season, you know, when you're in Little League and such, doesn't start until, you know, April-ish, April, May, and you're playing games until, you know, early summer. And then when you make the all-star team or if you make, you know, you know you're know, you in majors and you're trying to get to the Little League World Series and things like that, and you wind up touring with these other families okay. and these kids, and you literally see them now through the end of summer. And then winter ball starts up in October, mm-hmm. and you're you're playing with the same kids, and you wind up getting you know there's literally a, only a span of about eight weeks where you're not around these kids and their families, and typically, those kids because it is a regional local type of thing, you're going to the same schools, right? So you do wind up hanging out and getting to know. I mean, I I had friends in baseball well past you know well into my twenties that I had known since I was nine years old, which is which is what I kind of mean like. Bowling, the bowling kids that I see now or that Hill grew up with are kids that we travel with, that we, we know their families. We see them on Christmas. We see them on Halloween. Yeah. You know, and, and for the fact that, you know, so many people are concerned about them, like when Hill gets hurt or when somebody's missing from bowling and they or just when are, Caleb had his knee surgery. Right. And every, or when someone got, remember those girls who got in the car crash and yes. everybody was, yes. you know paying the money or making donations or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like a family. And um, as long as you guys in the bowling alley gangsters are Just call it out, the B-A-G. Whatever. I, it's so funny. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, you guys are doing... It's we think, like, we um, think it's funny, too. That's why we, we kind of laugh about it. And you'll hear, t- you'll hear a few of the guys yell out, you know, oh, that's the B-A-G. What's that gang, or not gang, but what are those people called the angels, guardian, guardian angels? Guardian angels. That's kind of what it reminds me of is the guardian angels. The only difference is uh, some of these guys definitely uh, don't have the nice background. Well, I'm just saying that's what it reminds <laughs> me of. Oh, but let's move on. I want to talk about my favorite thing to talk about with you. Your shoes? John Jones. Oh, geez. We're, we're going to talk about bones, huh? John Jones. What about what about Bones? So I'm Team John Jones. In so case am I. you didn't know, so no, I'm I. full on Team John Jones. I just don't like his antics outside of the octagon. I'm I think also, he's probably the greatest light heavyweight to have ever fought. I am also not Team Leprechaun. Oh, I'm definitely not Team Connor. I am never t- was. I am full on Team Chris Cyborg. Well, I think so, we both are. Um, I'm waiting and waiting for John Jones to come back. So that I can go to a match. He's actually looking to fight uh, Stipe in September. He doesn't want to wait that long, but he wants to fight the greatest heavyweight champion of all time from the UFC. And Stipe said he's going to be a hundred percent September. And I think John's looking to book that fight. Oh, see, I'm very excited about that. So you're just now learning about this, huh? Right. I don't yeah, care see, about I, I, I pay a little bit of attention. I'm I'm not always on it, but yeah, I'm definitely on that one. Yeah, because, well, you know I like Stipe. He's a, he's an everyday guy. You know, he's a volunteer fireman. You know, that's his part-time job. And I, I've i always liked Jones. The first time the first time we saw him, I think, was his third or fourth fight. I like John Jones because he seems to have a good work ethic. And he just will beat you when down. When he's not drinking and doing cocaine. When he'll cocaine. just beat you down. 
Um, <laughs> but I also, I like his matches because for some reason they last longer than 43 seconds. <laughs> um, so. Well, and keep in mind that one time when he broke his toe. He kept going. He, he not only kept going, but he, he even said after the fight, oh, I think I broke my toe in like the second round. The camera panned down to his to his toe and you just lost it. Yeah, I don't like that kind of stuff. That's why I didn't watch Mike Tyson. Oh, well, after Lennox Lewis, after the Lennox Lewis fight. Because that, I think that turned you off of fighting for a while. Watching him just, well, he got, Lennox was a far more, at that point, was a far more skilled, longer opponent. Tyson tried to bully him, and Lennox wasn't having it. Stayed to the outside, pieced him up. And you didn't like that because Tyson was getting, you and Colin both. Because uh, you both were Team Tyson, and I kept telling you guys, you got to watch out for this kid. You got to watch out for Lennox. I like Lennox Lewis, but Team Mike Tyson back then. <laughs> um, team John Jones now, and Chris Cyborg too. <laughs> team Cyborg for one hundred percent sure. I, I'm really bummed. Cyborg just can't get the fights. You know what I'm saying? You I mean, fight I would. A man. Uh, well, let's not go that far. Okay, let let <laughs> let's not let's not start that stuff. Okay, because that that gets into a. A whole moral, you know, thing that 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 I'm not equipped for at this juncture in time. But I will say that if there's not a woman who can fight her, she should have the opportunity to fight a man. Well, I'm just saying. I'm not saying we have to talk about it. I'm just saying that if there is not a woman with the whatever you want to call the female version of whatever to fight her, and that they can't find anyone. Are, are you saying balls, Karen? Are you saying balls? I don't say that kind of thing. <laughs> um, then she should have the option to fight a man. Yeah, but but honestly, you know, I don't I don't think there's a whole lot of man men out there that would that would take a fight against a female. Well, because it's not you're not supposed to do that. But. Well, yeah, I mean, again, that, that again that runs into the whole moral and ethic, you know, yeah. thing. I I I wouldn't want to face, you know, I I wouldn't. No matter how much money you paid me, I wouldn't get into an octagon to punch a woman. But she's she's pretty. Greg tough. Hardy's a different story, but me, no. She's very <laughs> tough, but she's also very nice. Well, so. and you also have to be. She, I mean, she's lived. You know, she's lived a pretty rough life. She didn't exactly grow up, you know, with a silver spoon in her mouth. You know, mm-hmm. she she grew up on the, in the mean streets of of Brazil. You know, and in I believe Rio. I wonder who would win, Cyborg John Jones. Uh, John John number one outweighs her by about a hundred yeah. pounds, so that's that's really not a question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, have you seen John recently? I've seen a couple of pictures of him. <laughs> he's he's put on some weight. He's pretty scary. Yeah, he's easy. I mean, he definitely has been listening to uh, Chandler. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chandler being one of the best what defensive tackles in the league now, or is he a defensive end? I always forget what he's listed no, as. I think he's a defensive tackle. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, he's been listening to his brother, I think. Yeah. Uh, next. <laughs> well, that, that's up to you. You brought up Jones. Well, because I like John Jones. Of course you did, and you had no idea about his, this upcoming deal with Stipe potentially. You know, what I always think about when I think about going to see John Jones. I think about going to Las Vegas and playing cards. Well, of course, because that's what we do in Vegas, right? That is what we do. <laughs> and think about it. You've you've been out there for. What just just the one UFC event, right? Yeah, that's the only when one when I, I took Colin out the yeah. second time, yeah, no, I mean outside of the UFC, that's pretty much what we do is we we play roulette and play twenty one. We got a shout out to the Bellagio. Oh, without a doubt, we, the, the Bellagio in New York, New York. That's where we spend all of our money. Yeah, <laughs> between the rooms and the tables. 
You know, they have a really nice um, a fountain thing. They have that show where you can pick your own song. If you stay in that particular suite, right? Yeah, I think that's so cool, though. You could pick your own song, and then the fountain show will sync to that song just for you. That's so cool. <laughs> I like things like that. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that's a, that's a neat little thing. Yeah. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to the F1 race out there. Oh, oh yeah. We're going to have to get a room at the Bellagio for that because that's going to be near the start-finish line. Can someone at the Bellagio hook us up with that? Um. Well, I'll have to call some people. Cause... From your podcast, you should be able to get some someone well, from the Bellagio. Hey, any up. sponsors out there, F1, hey, I'm looking at you. I'd love to have a ticket to okay. uh, the uh, inaugural Las Vegas F1 race. There you go. <laughs> we can talk about my shoes too. Uh, what, what do you want to talk about my shoes? Your personally designed Italian leather shoes. So you know what? Someone actually hurt my feelings yesterday because she said, "I like your shoes, but I don't understand how you wear them." <laughs> and I was like, "What? How did that hurt your feelings?" Well, because my shoes. Let me just tell the people at home who are listening or in their car. So. I only wear Italian leather Oxfords that I've designed myself. I have no sneakers, no sandals, no flip-flops, no boots. She's also got a bad back and a bad ankle, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> we um, got to tell the truth now. Um, and so I only, I mean, I design every pair of shoes that are in my closet with the colors that I like. Um, I have no Nikes, no anything else. Um, and this lady, yesterday I was wearing metallic green metallic pink and silver shoes yeah with a black um heel and she was like those are so cool but i don't understand how you wear them well but they're so comfortable i wear them to disneyland i wear them on the treadmill you should have asked her what she meant by that i don't know she just like and that kind of hurt my feelings because i was like i love my shoes and every i saw someone walk into a door looking at my shoes that's right i just laughed But, now, um, folks, Kareen, just so you are aware, every, everywhere Kareen goes, she gets compliments on her shoes because yeah. they are pretty cool looking. They are pretty stylish. Yeah, so, today's uh, shoes are metallic purple, metallic silver, and metallic black mm-hmm. with a black heel. And the best part about my shoes, well, besides the fact that they come from Italy, uh, what was that? <laughs> what? Well, here's the last part I'll say about my shoes is that you can put your own logo on the bottom of them. So when I walk through water or something, I see my own specific logo that I made on the bottom of my shoe. Isn't that cool? Sure. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. It can combine that with the fact that she was also wearing a shirt yesterday that said not interested. Very um, <laughs> antisocial sometimes. Sometimes. And I, I just tell people how it is. I'm not interested. It's on my shirt. Because not interested. I'm not. I'm very nice. Yeah, huh? I'm to, just, to who? To myself. Yeah, I was going to say, because I, I need a little bit more of that niceness in my life. To the dog. Yeah. Only to Trooper, though. Not to Lurch and Thurston anymore. No, just to the dog. Uh-huh. Well, that's because, you know, gotta love yourself. Love yourself, people. Yeah, that's our number one piece of advice. You've, yes. you, you can't You can't love anybody else if you don't love yourself first and foremost. That is true. And, you know, I think I tell people that all the time when they're like, oh, I don't have a boyfriend or I don't, how come you, how are you and Mike married, whatever, for so long. <laughs> um, you have to love yourself and you have to know the person that you're getting involved with and not know them like, oh, I've dated Joe Smith for five months. No, 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 no. You need to be able to see what they look like when they throw up, 
when they come home from work, <laughs> when they have had a bad day, when they got fired, all the things. <laughs> you have to know all of these things. Do they know how to bowl? Do they know how to play cards? Do they know when to shut their mouth? You know, I mean, do they talk too much? Do they talk through basketball? Don't talk to me when basketball's on. You know, and those are the things that you have to know. And if you don't know those things about yourself, first of all, you might as well forget it. <laughs> hey, again, uh, Team Lewis Hamilton, I'm looking at you. I'd like to get some tickets out there to that inaugural F1 race in Las Vegas. Um, anyways, yes, uh, thank you all very much for listening. Kareen, thank you very much. I, I understand that, that we've been doing this about 45 minutes now, and um, I think we're going to call it here. So thank you again for coming into the studio and being my guest this week, dear. You're very welcome. All right. And that's going to do it. Listen for us in the future on all your outlets. Thank you.